What's up, everyone? And welcome to episode number 80 of the Two Metal for This podcast. I'm Jason, and with me as always is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott, here to remind you that things aren't always as they seem. Sometimes balloons can spell your doom, but a gory head stump could mean good luck. <laughs> All right. So as always, we want to say thank you for listening to the show. Thank you. If yes. you're watching us on the YouTubes, that's pretty awesome too. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> Fucking clean your eyes out. We want to shout out a few people this week. A few, man. It should be like a shit ton. It seems like everybody's been partying lately. Who we We've got? had some good engagement yeah. on, on the social media, and we appreciate it. Mm. It's a lot of fun to talk and banter with you guys. Uh, shout out to Dennis Jaza. All right. Beaumont mm -hmm. Sabos. Yeah. Kevin Jurgustinovis. Yeah, big baby Jesus. <laughs> Justin McDermott. Hey, all right. And a special shout out to Amy Numbers. Amy Numbers. Dealing with our bullshit all every right. single week. Yeah, she every does. Every fucking time. If you have not already, please make sure you give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Two Metal for this and YouTube, and join in the conversation. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what we get wrong. Especially, let us know what we get wrong. We want to hear if you yeah, disagree with us. What did they get us. wrong? Let me know what they got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you think about some of Bobby's weird stuff that he makes us listen to. Yes. Tell yeah. me how I've improved your life with all my weirdness. Yes. Yeah. As Justin said, make sure you find us on YouTube at Two Metal for This and give us a like and subscribe there as well. Mm -hmm. We're just getting this thing off the ground, so bear with us. We promise the quality is going to get better with time. Yeah, make sure you turn your notifications on so you know when the new stuff drops. Hey, if they go on other, like, sites and talk shit on us with zero does that work with the algorithms and stuff too does that work in our favor like any publicity's good publicity they'll I mean, talk shit on us to other stuff and hashtag us or something fucking shit. hashtag us yeah, they're they're thing, right? yeah. yeah. fuck them guys that fucking too metal for this they're too cool <laughs> they talk about stuff that i'm afraid to listen to yeah fucking get the yeah. algorithm that's there. right talk shit if you want to or mm -hmm. or be nice that's cool too mm. Nobody wants to be nice. So we're getting into another topic this week that oh. Bobby is super excited Sweet. about. So good. This is yeah. a great topic. Mm. We're going to be talking about some death course. Yes. Wow. Terrible. So Bobby's also got some music reviews for us. I do. We're getting into the fucking year. People are finally cranking shit out. But before we get into those reviews, here's Justin with the TMFT News. The News. Slaughter to Prevail announced three headline dates. They are April 26th in L.A., April 30th in Denver, and May 15th in Brooklyn. No support bands have been announced, but they did say this will be the only chance to see them headline in 2024. <laughs> but I will say they said that in 2023 and then later on announced more shows. But I digress. Huh, I didn't know that. About 2023, that is. But we're going to see them at Rockville, so we won't are. be headlining, but it'll uh, be my first time seeing them, so that's awesome. Same, same. That's one of my albums that I'm looking forward to the most this year, if oh, it comes out. So And the show. I'm really yeah. looking forward to that show. Yeah. In Flames will hit the road in May with Gate Creeper and Creeping Death in support. Mm -hmm. It starts May 1st in Portland, Maine, not Oregon, and it ends May 26th in Dallas. 
That'd be a good show. Mm. Dying Fetus will have a headline tour oh, with yeah, yeah. Full of Hell in support. Mm-hmm. Starts April 25th in Silver Spring, Maryland through May 19th in Portland, Oregon. Not Maine. Uh, then Full of Hell will leave the tour and 200 Stab Wounds joins. <laughs> also Cruelty and Psycho Frame, they will be in support. That starts May 20th in Spokane, Washington through May 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. That would be good. Cruelty, 200 Stab Wounds, and a fucking Dying Fetus. And Psycho Frame. I hadn't heard of them. Yeah, so. I'm not familiar with that, but the other three, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. At the Gates canceled all of their spring and summer shows due to reasons beyond their control. Refunds will be available. Hmm. Erectile dysfunction gets us all, dude. Yes, go get some blue chew. The Amity Affliction will have a headline run with Currents, Dying Wish, and Mugshot in support. (laughs) Mugshot. (laughs) These these band names are, I don't know. Sound like a punk band. Right? Uh, It starts April 26th in San Diego. That ends June 6th in L.A. And Sharon Osbourne recently stated that Ozzy is done touring, but he will have two final shows in his hometown of Birmingham mm. to properly say goodbye to his fans because he never got a chance to officially. No further details have been announced yet, but, I mean, it's good that I guess he gets to say goodbye in his hometown. They totally need to do a live stream for that, though. I don't I'm know sure they will. A, I mean, even if it's paid... I would pay to watch, you know, one of his last okay. shows. Ozzy's yeah. last two shows. It's a big deal, man. It's a huge yeah. deal. So, Shit, and if they're not gonna... live stream of obituary, I'll watch Ozzy. Uh, sure. Yeah, man. If they're not going to do any shows over here in the States, it would be pretty cool if we could live stream it. Yeah. For what it's worth, Sharon says his voice is still as good as it's ever been. And he still has continued to sing with his vocal coaches and stuff throughout all the sickness and stuff that he's had the past few years. So, that's cool. He sounded great last time I seen him, which surprised me because I. Didn't think he would be at his age, but, you know. Was that the Rockville? Yeah. Yeah, he sounded really good. Yeah. It he wasn't very mobile at all, but that's okay, because Zach Wilde was being mobile for yeah. him. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Ozzy sounded better than a lot of the bands we've seen that day. Yeah. So it was it was great. Yeah, it was like 20-plus years ago I seen him, and it was fucking He did the Black Sabbath when they did uh, And it was Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. So, yeah, lucky we got to see that, I guess. All right, everybody, that's the news. All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right, we got Necro Wretch, Sword of the Jaw, eight songs, 37 minutes. This stuff is from France. They call it blackened death metal, but it's more deathened black metal. The production is good. Everyone is even in the mix. Half of the vocals are the high rat screech, but he's got some balls behind it, making it more tolerable than the normal bullshit. The other half leans more into Wolverine Blues era in tune style, which was cool. It has the European Scandi style blast beats and the riff arrangements, but all of the sonic layers and dynamics that other bands try to achieve with synthy bullshit, these guys handle it all with the guitars, like they fucking should. This record also features some pretty badass meaty death style grooves and breakdowns. They also do some pretty cool dropouts. They get into a gypsy style tribal jams. The title track showcases all of this and is the best song on the album. But the standout for me was the next track, Numidian Knowledge. Has some cool old school Sepultura tribal stuff going on. And it also leans more into the deaths, killer songs. And the closer, Total Obliteration, is appropriately named. 
surprisingly brutal stuff coming out of France, Necro Rich, and their fifth full-length album, Sword of Dijal, is a four and a half upside-down pentagrams. KMFDM's got a new one out, Let Go, 11 songs, 44 minutes of multinational industrial metal. So the sharp blade of angsty youth has long since dulled. The intensity that once was is long gone, but this is still kind of cool. As always, everything is super clean in the mix. Still got the dual vocal attack, but they implement heavy use of effects nowadays. The electronic stuff is pushed forward and the guitar is back more so than the usual in the past. The record has elements of 80s new pop, mellow techno, classic rock solos. Uh, the song Airhead is a hard rock poppy lump of shit all of a sudden. Skip that one. The next track, Turn On The Light, or Turn The Light On, sorry, is a cool one. Uh, the track Totem Eat Eggs is also a cool standout. Mostly a mediocre record. If, like me, you look to these guys for an upbeat, intense party vibe, you'll be disappointed by the more subdued chillness. Forty years these guys have been rocking. Came FDM's new one, 22nd full-length album, Let Go, is a sadly three-and-a-half upside-down pentagrams. Ghoul, Noxious Concoctions, five songs, 18 minutes, horror-themed death rash from California. Some cool moshy grooves here, solid death grinds. Vocals lean more to the black metals and are terrible. A few gain chants here and there. Solos are unimpressive, but it seems like it's more of a goof. This stuff has side project vibes all over it. Still pretty cool, though. The standout was Shotgun Gulch. Cool death groove that gets into a, almost a surf rock dropout. So check out the new EP from Ghoul, Noxious Concoction. That was a four upside down pentagrams. Conan's got a new one out. The DIY series issue one. Three songs, 14 minutes of doom from England. This band has some of the better drumming in the genre and features some of the lowest and slowest riffs. The first song is surprisingly up-tempo for the band. Nice sludgy tune there. Second track gets into a little chunk of the doom they're known for, but is mostly a bunch of drugged-out ambient stuff. Closing track is a killer cover of Fudge Tunnel's Hate Song. That was pretty cool. So get your levels right and check out the new EP from Conan, the DIY series issue one, four and a half upside-down pentagrams. That's it. Until next time, go listen to a song with maniacal laughter and stay curious, motherfuckers. talking about deathcore yeah. bobby's been looking forward to this episode since we started this show oh, yeah. the first time that we all got together he's like man when do we get to talk about deathcore first time we got together we talked about limb biscuit yeah that definitely oh, definitely never here we are <laughs> yeah death, i mean that's like a band-aid rip it off real quick deathcore deathcore is limb biscuit's little brother so you said you want a limb biscuit discography i mean in fairness it's Cannibal Corpse and Limp Biscuits like disgraced love child that they don't want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I can, yeah. No, yeah. No, it's not too far off. 
Yeah, uh, maybe maybe mix with a little bit of, of that with yeah. a little bit of behemoth in there, I guess. Behemoth is fucking the symphonic side. Yeah. Hey, so we're gonna touch all sides of deathcore. As usual, we're gonna break this into two parts, but uh, we're gonna do something a little different this time. On the first part, we're gonna talk about kind of the OGs, kind of veterans. the pioneers, veterans of the scene, old stuff. And uh, when we get into the second episode, then we're going to talk about kind of where we are now and kind of who's leading the way. So we're going to kick this one off with Justin. He's got the first album that we're going to be talking about this week. Kick it. What you got for us? We're going to talk about Winds of Plague. The album is Against the World. It was their third album released in 2011. It is 12 tracks, 38 and a half minutes. Sir, Winds of Plague, I believe they're from like California. Is this the first time you've gotten to speak? Because I know you, oh, every time you mention it, like, man, I want to talk about this band. Is this the first time we're actually fucking talking about them? Uh, me and Jason talked about them and actually this exact album on <laughs> an episode uh, before. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was none of the an... top sixes and nothing has been Winds of Play. Nope, I don't, I don't think so. Again, every tr- time, tr- though, you're like, Winds of Play, we got to talk about it. So we're doing tr- it. Truthfully, oh. I wanted to talk about their debut album, Decimate the Week, this week. Uh but I said against the world, and Bobby had already started prepping, so here yeah. we are. We're going to talk about it. The album opens with uh, Raise the Dead, which is an um, ominous, symphonic intro into the album. Imagine mixing Batman 89 with some creepy kids chanting. Uh, the band kicks in, but it maintains a symphonic throughout. Uh, one of the coolest intros I've ever heard, building right into that first track. Yeah, the first track is totally just a big old movie score that's uh i don't know were these guys the first ones that was doing this yeah they're one if they're not the first they're one of the first it seems, like a, scene it seems like a bigger deal now first yeah. ones i knew of in this scene that i was aware of S- same i'm not saying they were the first but it's the first i was aware There's of doing this yeah. in the early stuff and then nowadays it, everything's these big giant mm-hmm. dramatic i think it's fucking cool for an intro track you know fucking like you said some batman Batman 89, uh, the Tim Burton Danny Elfman yep. type shit, and then the weird, creepy kid, the kind of like the Freddy song, you know, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you, yeah. the, the little, that shit's yep. fucking creepy, I like that. Yeah, it's really interesting that you brought up the Batman thing, man, I swear, I had no idea you were going to say that shit, <laughs> and that was one of the first things that popped into my mind, yeah. it was not just Batman, it was literally 1989 fucking Batman, it's got a very specific sound to it. Yep. And when they use the symphonic stuff here, it's so different than what we're getting now with the modern Deathcore. It's got like a comic book type fantasy feel to it. It's just different than than the yeah. modern stuff. They did it a different way. It's a very dark sound, but yeah, it's still different. Uh, it leads right into one for the butcher. Uh, and immediately we get some deeper gutturals from Johnny Plague, the lead vocalist. Uh, the symphonic is still here from the opening. Uh, intro, but Art Cruz has arrived with tons of double bass. Uh, if you don't know Art Cruz, he currently plays in Lamb of God. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, creepy kids come back in the breakdown. It'll get definitely get your head bobbing. There's a piano to fade out the track. I think it's a really great opener to the album. Yeah, man. I like the weird slowed warp effect it has in the beginning. Like, right off the fucking good. It, like, has a weird mm-hmm. slow, like, I don't know, like, if you touch the fucking tape or some shit. That was a pretty neat trick. Uh, the main riff is pretty dumb, but the second one is really cool. It's a very hardcore style riff to it. The back half is full of like the synthy crap, but has a nice fade out with that weird plinkety plink plink fucking piano work. But uh, it was cool that it had an actual hardcore element to it, you know, because deathcore originally I thought was death metal and hardcore. Yep. This is kind of what's going on there. Death metal with breakdowns. 
Right. But that's the hardcore what, influences. That's what you think, but nowadays down. the new stuff is different. It's totally evolved now, and we'll get to that in episode two. Mm-hmm. Drop the Match is track three. This one is more hardcore from the start. Uh, lots of bounce to it. Uh, some huge screams in the breakdowns with burn this motherfucker down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure this shit played really great live. This is what I would call extreme new metal. Like huh. it's the most brutalist new metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's fine line, I guess. It, it's of... like uh, the beat down hardcore to me. Yeah. Um, but it's a fine line between that. Because like when you think about that time when new metal was super big, you it's had bands early like Hate that were coming yeah. up. Yep, it's yep. That And they kind of walked hand in hand. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. Uh, I really liked uh, that they had the keyboards prevalent during the breakdown, though. I thought that was a little bit of a different sound than what, especially at this time, than yeah. anything we had heard. Track four is Built for War. I mentioned Batman 89 earlier, and the first minute of this is straight out of that movie before it takes off. Uh, coolest thing about this track, though, uh, is a crazy breakdown leading into Jamie Josta's Brutal Verse. We just talked about hate breed, and here he is. If you only check out one song from this album, this is the one. If that shit doesn't get you hyped, I don't know. Just stop fucking listening to metal, I guess. This one's got a fucking, like, choir in there. You got horns and synths. And the epic-type buildup to something surprisingly cool. The use of the synths and the horns, how they arranged it, it's fucking Death Ska. This is totally (laughs) Death Ska. And I was like... Okay, I would party with that. And then a ripper of a solo that sounds something like if Carrie King did a solo but was like actually good at solos, followed by a sick fucking groove that's like a Perseverance era hate breed to wrap things up. And it's definitely the best song in the fucking album. This was the specific song where I made the note about Batman 89. So yeah. that's so yeah. crazy, dude. Like, we didn't talk about this no. shit. Did we talk about that on the last album uh, when we reviewed I it? Because I don't remember. I don't know, Maybe. man. I was just listening to this and I was like, I was picturing the fucking old school driving to the Batmobile and shit. Like, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and it's funny you made the hate brief reference right yeah. before. I'm like, it's but, it's uh, coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. These are some of the toughest lyrics I heard from Josta. Yeah. Yes. That's a workout song. Like, if y'all trying to fucking get in shape, that's what you run to on the treadmill. It's not very nice at all. (laughs) It's fucking killer. Uh, Slightly discourteous. (laughs) Refined in the fire. That's a hardcore band. Slightly discourteous. (laughs) Okay. Excuse me, sir. So the next track is Refined in the Fire. It was the lead single, and I always liked the lyric, I fear no evil, evil fucking fears me. Uh, song has a nasty bounce to it. Sounds like explosions going off. This was the single? Yeah. That's, uh, okay, makes sense. This is like Hate Breed, the Rise of Mediocrity area. Like, it's that. The other one was the cool era, Hate Breed. This is the not good. All right, yeah. 
Yeah, this was like an epic battle song. I love the parts where it slows down and you just got the very subtle symphonic elements in the background because it sounds like you're approaching the final boss in Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> okay. That's a fucking good game, too. Man. Oh, man, it's the best. It's hardest, of- too. It was pretty hard. I yeah. mean, speaking of like Ninja Ninja Gaiden, mm-hmm. I would say Gaiden. Uh, the Warrior Code is next. Oh, uh, this is just dialogue from uh, the wrestler, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, played over some traditional, I guess, Japanese music. Uh, and then the band ends up playing over that as well. Uh, he died a few years later, which uh, makes this sound a bit like his own eulogy, especially the closing words where he talks about his grave and living forever. Oh, man. What'd you think of that one? Goddamn Ultimate Warrior. I think he was three words in, and I was like, son of a bitch, is this, is this, the, I'm a little warrior from way back. Yep, and I was yeah. like, I listened to that shit like four times. I just went cool, back, and it? I was like, yeah, I get that. I don't, yeah. The music was fucking terrible. Oh, but this dude's fucking losing it. I like that shit. But was this, uh, like, did he do this specifically for them, or was this like mm-hmm. some audio that, as far as I know, this was done for them. That's fucking yeah. cool as shit, man. I wonder how they pulled that off. No, nah, that's pretty cool. Probably asked them. Like, hey, we're some weird deathcore band. That, well, they weren't called deathcore then, whatever they were calling themselves. In a band. I, think, I think it was still called deathcore back then. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they had coined it yet. But, yeah. hey, uh, yeah, will you do this thing for our album? Yeah. He probably said, fuck yeah, because yeah, he's the ultimate he... warrior. Fucking, oh, man, you did something. That... So, yeah, I was a little warrior, and I enjoyed that fucking warrior code, ultimate warrior. I don't give a fuck what stupid ding dong music. Yeah, I'll listen to ultimate warriors inspire me anytime. Uh, the next track is against the world. Uh, really cool. Big scream to open the track. Lots of bounce killer drumming from Mark Cruz. Again, uh, the siren and the breakdown leading to the chanting of me and you against the world, man. I wish I could see this band live. I looked them up on Wikipedia. They're apparently still together. Which hmm. I didn't know. So, I hope they come around. Yeah. This was more of the extreme new metal stuff. About a minute in the drummer doing some double bass stunts. And then there's this sweet little arpeggio sweep right before the synths kick in. It was really quick and subtle, but it was like a cool little transition. I thought that was fucking pretty cool. So it's the new deaths? <laughs> yeah, new deaths. <laughs> is what it's your new core, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's got breakdowns. So you get to say core. Everything's got to have a core at the end of it now. Seems, yeah, seems marketable. Like a, yeah. New uh, deaths, though, kind of. New deaths. Uh, I really liked the effect on the vocals at the very beginning of this, so that was cool as shit. And then uh, right before the breakdown when he says, make way for the wrecking crew. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Monsters is next. Lyrically heavy track, uh, but the bouncing groove is still there. It doesn't get all uh, depressing or anything. Art Cruz continues to stand out behind the drums here. Yeah, there is a lot going on in this song, and I didn't like any of it. Yeah, some nice lead guitar work uh, on this one. It gives you kind of like an uneasy feeling, like you feel like something bad is about to happen. I guess in Bobby's opinion, it did. I think this is the most death metal song on the album. Yeah, that is a good track. Most hated, which maybe Bobby hated this one. We'll find out. I think (laughs) there's a pretty sick breakdown here, which they're kind of known for. Clean solo later on. That Art, Art uh, Cruz just came in and demolished with some blast beats. It kind of feels like the two are going back and forth in a war for the remainder of the track with the guitar and the drums. Yeah, most hated. Uh, I don't know if it's the most hated song. I certainly didn't like it. 
In the beginning, they got that weird-ass Castlevania-style harpsichord. It was really fucking off-putting. I uh, had some really nice solos on that song, though. But the harpsichord shit was... Bleh. I didn't like that. This is what I think about it. I just probably loved it. Fuck what you've heard. Fuck your self-esteem. Try talking shit when you're spitting out your teeth. Yeah. Lyrically, there's some pretty brutal shit they have throughout this album. Pretty sure I talked shit when I got my tooth broken. <laughs> <laughs> fucking gay. The only song we're allowed to play in church venues is next. <laughs> oh, man. How's uh, that for a song title? It's an instrumental that takes you on a ride back and forth. It's pretty cool. This was an odd placement on the record. This should have been mm -hmm. right before the Warriors Code, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, not it wrong. It didn't there, make sense where it went. I was like, it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, especially considering the track it leads into. Right. It, yeah, it, it was it doesn't flow very well there. fucking yeah. placed. Yeah. yeah, it's hilariously titled, though. Like, yeah, I love this title. That's, a, that's <laughs> a funny one. It's got a lot of piano in it. Like, you could kind of you can yeah. imagine it. There's no swear words because there's no words. It's a valid argument. You're yeah. just, you, why can't we play it? No words. Exactly. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you, very beautiful. It's got the word church in the title. Yeah, you know I mean, fucking, that's funny. Loophole. Uh, we're to California now. This California. Is, this, this is one of those tracks that I'm sure is uh, fun to hear live, but it feels a bit out of place. Maybe that's because the song that leads into it. Uh, it's more hardcore than the rest of the album, and it has a guest vocal from Martin Stewart of Terror. Yeah, I didn't like this one. Yeah, uh, I, I like literally wrote, this is the most hardcore solo in the album, um, and it's to be expected with a feature from Terror. <clears throat> the song does feel super out of place with the rest of the album. It just doesn't blend in, it doesn't flow well, but it is a banger, and it is one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. It just does, it doesn't quite fit. Strength to Dominate closes out the album. I keep saying it, but Art Cruz doesn't let up on the drums. He's got so much power behind everything he's doing. Uh, I think this track took elements of everything else on the album for the end. Solid closer. Yeah, man. Sick death grind up front. Then a nice groove, stompy riffs in there. Uh, it's got the breakdowns and some synth shit, but the fade out's really nice. Uh, Would have been the better title track, I think. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I, I like I like the title track, but this yeah this like I said it it implemented everything on the album. So yeah, you know what I mean. Sometimes you know. like I said I, I prefer the title track opener, but sometimes the closer is the good representation. I feel like that was yeah. the better song on there. Yeah, this is to me the most badass song on the album. I think it's awesome way to close it out. It's also the song that does the best job of actually blending hardcore and death metal. This song actually feels like the fully realized version of the sound that they were trying to create. Uh, definitely sets you up for what you're going to get on the next album, which, by the way, I actually like better than this one. No. Oh. On this album, they weren't so much deathcore as they were sometimes hardcore and sometimes death metal. They hadn't quite figured out how to blend it all into one cohesive sound yet, at least in my opinion. I think this is a great album, though. We've said it before on the show. These dudes are unsung pioneers of the deathcore genre. These guys walked so bands like Lorna Shore could sprint. I like every song on this album, and it's a quick, fun album that I could just pop on, not think too much about it, and just have a good time. It's got a ton of replay value, and for that reason, for me, it's a four and a half out of six upside down pentagrams. Yeah. So this is some of the early Deathcore stuff that mm -hmm. I was unfamiliar with, besides you always going on about them. So I was kind of uh, excited to check it out. 
It actually sounds like the hardcore mix with death metal. This is going to be a little redundant what you just touched on, uh, but it leans a little more towards the black metal, and it's got a big scoop of the new metals in there. Uh, didn't care for the vocals. The lyrics are pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> like the, the the vocals are such that it comes through clear to where I can hear the vocals, and I was like, "It is like the tough guy." It's the obligatory. I'm not happy with the consequences of my actions, and the world doesn't understand. Like whatever. Here we go. Uh, same old guitar sound, but the leads are pretty goddamn good. Uh, I noticed with the drums, there's not a lot of tom work or any big fills. Uh, they keep the cymbals pretty tight, and it's all about the double bass and stuff. The dude's good, though. Definitely has skills for sure. Uh, this was better than I expected, but I'm still not a fan. Winds of Plague Against the World is a two upside-down pentagrams. Ah, oh, jeez, I didn't expect a two after the way you were describing it. Uh, it's not my thing. Yeah. Them fucking vocals. Fair enough. Uh, Symphonic Deathcore pretty much started with this band. Uh, we wouldn't have a Lorna Shore or a Shadow of Intent today without the groundwork that Winds of Plague laid down. Mm. Uh, this album is definitely led by Art Cruz on the drums and strong vocals from Johnny Plague. Uh, lots of cool riffs that I didn't even talk about and a uh, really clean and well-placed uh, symphonic elements that add to the songs without overtaking them. And of course, there's killer breakdowns on almost every track. Uh, Winds of Plague's Against the World gets a very solid 5 out of 6 from me. Art Cruz, he was on the last uh, Lamb of God album? Last two. With the, was it grayscale and stuff? That was yeah, yeah. And, and he was I, on the self-titled, so Memento Moré and hmm. such. I have to go back and listen to that because he does a lot of more uh, fills and uh, Tom work on that. Maybe I don't know. It's a, it's a there's a couple of different things going on in the death cores, and one of them is a certain style where it's just about the fucking double bass and the snare, and they they always keep the cymbals either like really tight and crisp or they're very fucking subdued. And then you got the other guys that are just fucking losing their shit. A lot of fucking Tom splashy symbols and stuff. But this guy, this this fucking particular album was that tight, just main double bass and snare. He was on. But then I'm, I'm remembering the Lamb of God was not like that at all. So he was on like uh, three Winds of Plague albums, and he also, I believe, was on two Prong albums. Oh, so, who yeah. hasn't been on Prong? But uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I have to go back and listen to those. I didn't realize it was the same guy. Yep. Because mm. the drums are fucking cool. It was just weird that the, the the lack of fills and tom working because that's what I like about drums and shit. And yeah. But it was still bad as fuck. Like he's got the beats, he's got the grooves, and, and he he's doing stuff on the cymbals. But they fucking they dial that shit way back. I think it interrupts with the the symphonic highs and stuff. It comes bit. across in the same. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So they turn that down. You know what I mean? Because that that's sort of given the big dramatic everything uh, else has the bassy sound and then that gives you your yeah. more highs and stuff yeah so yeah. for sure all right J on. jason what you got for us all right so the next album we're going to be talking about is white chapel uh with the album the valley all right uh, it's 10 tracks 40 minutes released in march of 2019 i'm just going to give you guys the full disclaimer here <laughs> this was not the album that we intended or at least that i intended to talk about on this uh episode um, back months ago when we were planning out our schedule for recording, months ago. uh, we all picked these albums that we wanted to cover. And in my mind, I wanted to talk about the album Kin, uh, great album, album that I really love by Whitechapel. For some reason, I spit out the Valley 
And that is what Bobby and Justin prepped for. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I am also familiar with the Valley. So we're going to talk about the Valley right now. Yeah. But uh, I promise you, in some capacity, we will be talking about Ken yeah. at some point. That said, either of those albums would be an odd choice to represent Deathcore in an episode like this because both of those albums represented kind of a change in style for Whitechapel, the Valley being the beginning of that. They start shifting away from the traditional deathcore sound and they start incorporating some other things. Part of the reason for that is both albums are a two-part concept album or a concept dual album. And so different elements were kind of needed, in my opinion, to tell that story. Uh, It starts out with the song, When a Demon Defiles a Witch, which is a cool-ass song title. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, marked a big change for the band. Um, This was a concept that's getting into a lot of the childhood trauma that the vocalist Phil Bozeman uh, went through. And this particular track is about his mother who's suffering from alcoholism and schizophrenia. And this was actually a vision that she wrote down in her journal. And as you listen to the song, if if you had been a long-term fan of this band, it's probably going to stand out to you. There's a big healthy dose of clean vocals. <laughs> but make no mistake, the aggression is still here. What do you guys think of the opening track? The acoustic opening definitely throws you off. It's not your typical White Chapel. It gets heavy right after before dropping back out into a very melodic middle section. You immediately know this is a different White Chapel album than you're used to. Yeah, so I was uh, initiated. This was my first go with the White Chapel. I've heard of the band, but so I did recognize that this is a newer album from an older band. So I was hoping for some maturity in the songwriting. The drummer is fucking insane. Like it's a common thing in the genre. So that's cool. The main riff is pretty fucking cool. Vocals, terrible. (laughs) The bass player wasted the opportunity to do something really cool in the middle there. I thought either he's not skilled enough or David's like, Maybe he has the jam space, and so he just gets to be in the band. But there was a really good spot there where he could have done something really cool to help the fucking song, but he didn't. So Yeah, I could see that. Whatever. I could see that. Forgiveness is weakness. If the intro to this song doesn't get you pumped up, then fuck you. Right. But seriously, this shit is fucking sick. I definitely lean super heavy into the death side of things, especially with the leads. Uh, this this song gets me really pumped up when I listen to it, especially after the kind of uh, slow lead in on the first song. Some super nice deaths here. Some breakdowns, but then more sick grinds. This was uh, pretty aggressive. I like this one. These are some hateful fucking lyrics. This is for my family. 
Let us have this moment. He is finally dead. Come celebrate this day. It was slow and full of pain. Good riddance. I hope you're born again so I can have my turn to beat you and cut you and put a curse upon you. <laughs> Take that. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Pocket. Somebody needs a hug. <laughs> what? All right. It gets worse, too. I just wasn't going to read the whole fucking song. Go check it out. Brimstone is the next song. Uh, This one has a slow, stumpy groove to it. The lyrics are dark as fuck. I know Justin just touched on lyrics, but uh, sleep with one eye open. You have no idea what I'm capable of. Keep claiming holier than thou. My knife can stab more holes than you can count. Mm. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure... From what I've read up on that Phil wrote these lyrics through the eyes of his childhood self in reference to his abusive stepfather. And the reason I think that is because of the line, how dare you sleep where a king once slept. Mm-hmm. That sounds like he's talking about a stepfather. Like, mm, you don't yeah. fucking belong there. Yeah, it's some of that shit. Yeah, I mean, like I've mentioned this before. Sometimes we agree and sometimes we do <laughs> <laughs> Post metal sludge core, sick fucking grooves, dumb vocals. Another, if Carrie King was actually good, so <laughs> nice fade out, best fucking song. Trying to feud with Carrie King over here? Fucking, what's he gonna do? <laughs> I'll ab- get some Carrie. You know what I mean? There's a nasty guttural gator opening oh to the track. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, this one has a bounce to it. More angry fucking lyrics, as Jason touched on. Mm. So then we get into Hickory Creek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How fucking great is this song? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure the long-term fans were probably pissed. Yeah. Probably a little bit confused. But this, to me, this is this is evolution. Like, this <laughs> is what happens with a band. And if it's a true concept album, you got to take some twists and turns. I think that this little heavy metal ballad right here is part of this adventure. And I think it's needed on the album. This is the ballad. Whitechapel did a ballad, and it's great. Fucking ballad lovers. The dude, <laughs> he's got some fucking rattle going on with his strings, and I can't believe I got past the fucking sound guy. I went back three times, and I'm listening, and I'm like, dude, your strings are rattling. Also, worst fucking song on the album. <laughs> of course. Fuck. Fortunately, from there, we get into Black Bear. This one I like because it takes a slow build approach. Like coming off of that last song is kind of needed. You can't just jump right back in. Mm, so they kind of ease you back into it. And then it gets into some new death. In you death. <laughs> new death. And I'm here for that, man. The simple chuggy grooves. It's got me ready to hit the pit right fucking now. Let's great, go. Great track. Yeah, I didn't like that one. <laughs> we are one. Even if we don't fucking agree, we are one. Yeah. Ultron, man. This song, probably better than all the others, really captures no, the, one I the internal struggle that Phil was having in his home life. The lyrics essentially read as like his internal dialogue with himself. It's pretty disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's that main riff. Cool, if you put it like that. Yeah, that main riff coming and going has a very cool groove to it. Oh, man, it's got cool fucking riffs. Best solo. Uh, it's kind of Andreas Kisser's style, and uh, some meticulous hi-hat work on the back end there. That was a fucking good one. 
The next song is The Other Side. Some more nice, slow, groovy chugging with perfectly enunciated vocals. Songs like this are what really separate this album from previous Whitechapel releases. If you've listened to the older stuff, there's definitely a more refined sound here that they've been able to dial in. A really cool lyric that really stood out on this one, too, was no regrets, no guilt or sympathy. I turn my back on the woes of history. thought that was neat. I love the riff throughout the verses. There's a nice, clean solo, and the chorus is pretty powerful. Uh, I know Jason just read some lyrics, but here's some more. Uh, Through all the hatred and pain, I'll stand by my brother's side. We'll overcome and make it out to the other side. Oh, yeah. I like this one also. Uh, after the last solo, it kind of piqued my interest. They had the Andrea sound. This song sounds like New Sepultura. It's totally got that same thrashy yeah. groove. And this is what, 2019 when this came? It's that yeah. fucking. Same era. Yep. It's that same. Like the dude obviously likes that fucking. Oh, yeah, I'm that, sure. The, the fucking, the, the solo style in this. So, yeah, so that's one to check nice. out. Uh, third depth. They bring back the clean intro and the slower tempo. Now, when it gets heavy, though, I think it feels super intense in contrast to that lighter part. And these type of songs, I just got a soft spot for them. Like, it just makes me it makes me feel things, you know? Get a little tingly. This song makes you feel things? This motherfucker's out here melodically singing about killing someone. That's that's Why the type of songs it? that make me this feel things. This is a fucking heavy track, man. Like, yeah. this is no joke. That's my love language, man. Yeah. It's wild. When you, like, <laughs> listen to those fucking lyrics and the way he says it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't like this one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. No. So, Lovelace. Song's super angry, uh, but it's actually, like, it's kind of upsetting when you really dig into the lyrics. Like, one of the parts in the song, it says, Father, can you hear me? I'm trapped inside a nightmare. Wake me up or put me in the ground. Mother, can you see me? I need you to be there. Running away will never get you found. Hmm. I don't know what this dude went through, but it was some shit. He's fucking telling you what he went through. Hey, continuing yeah. that lyric was, All you ever need is to shove that needle deep mm. and reach your internal sleep. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, uh, the beginning sounded like some body farm type deaths. Yeah. And it progressed into a little bit of uh, Gajira type uh, stuff. Pretty so, cool fucking tune. I like that one. So you mentioned earlier, I, I asked uh, lyrically, is this about his mother being an addict? You said she was battling alcoholism, but he's talking about needles and stuff here. I'm sure there was so, more to it. I, to I don't know the whole story. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't say you couldn't. Probably smoke cigarettes, too. uh, It definitely seems that way. I don't know. I haven't dug that deep into the lyrics. And then the lyric about his father, and you mentioned earlier his stepfather was, you know, you thought the one song was about that. So, yeah, it all makes sense. This is a dark fucking album. And uh, from what I gather, um, it seems that this album is a little bit more focused on the stuff with his mom. And then on the second one, it's a little bit more of his dad. It's not the second one, but the second part of this. Mm-hmm. Talking about Ken. Um, and then Ken is like, you get into like his internal like struggle and letting go of all this fucked up shit that happened to him. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, they close the album with Doomwoods. That's a nice slow tempo banger to close out this part of the story. Normally, I would say this is too slow. Like it's a momentum killer at the end of the album. But again, I'm taking into account that this is a concept 
album. And I think given the subject matter, it's kind of a good way to close it out. And that's another moody, heavy track going into a calming acoustic fade out and the album. I, I liked it. Yeah, it had cool drums. I was glad the album was finished though. Uh, so this was a newer album from an older band in the scene. Nothing really hardcore at all going on here. This leans more towards melodic technical deaths and groove metal. Uh, I like this guitar tone way better. It has a thicker, richer crunch to it. Vocals are dumb. Uh, the drummer is fucking badass. Again, every goddamn deathcore band's got a great drummer. Oh, Lots yeah. of toms and fills everywhere on this one. His cymbals were oddly uh, subdued, which I've been mentioning. Like, he's doing some splashy stuff, but they, they fucking keep it low. Uh, but I really enjoyed listening to that guy. Still not a fan of the uh, Death Corps. White Chapel, The Valley is a two and a half upside down pentagrams. Death Corps is about drums and vocals. Maybe that's why I love it so much. I like the drum part for sure. Yeah. So White Chapel took a hard left here. They swung for the fences, and in my opinion, they nailed this one. Uh, it still has that aggressive heaviness that Whitechapel's known for, but it's more diverse now and layered with melodic vocals. Uh, it's well thought out and also has meaningful lyrics. Uh, this is a killer album. Don't wait five years to listen to this like I did. Uh, speaking of a five, I give Whitechapel's The Valley five out of six. Well, all right. Yeah, so uh, like we talked about, uh, this album was a significant change in the band's sound. Bobby kind of touched on it. There's a lot more groove and stuff in yeah. this one. It's probably why I really was drawn to this one more than maybe some of the others. But if you do go back and you listen to the older Whitechapel albums, you're going to find a lot more of the actual core elements. The hardcore stuff is in there. Mm. This was definitely one that, well, I didn't choose it, but the sister album to it that I chose, I chose because of uh, the things that you pointed out. Uh, it's more in line with the type of stuff I like to listen to, and that's why it spoke to me. Uh, I can hear some incredible growth in the band's songwriting abilities. Uh, sometimes with songwriting, less is more. Mm -hmm. And I think they took that approach a lot on this album. And if you couple that with the real emotion that's in Phil's vocals, uh, it leads to a very impressive album by some pioneers in the scene. Whitechapel's The Valley is a five out of six upside down pentagrams nice. for me as well. Nice. nice. Is this a big deal in the community also, this? It's a divisive album, honestly. Uh, yeah. A lot of the hardcore fans are hey. not a fan of The Valley mm -hmm. or Ken, and they really want to hear the old stuff that's more extreme and more, like, you know, this, raw. This is Exile. This is very know, refined. Like uh, yeah, this is like Parkway Drive's uh, reverence or, uh, you know, it's... That's so funny. Me and Bobby were talking about Parkway Drive and the change during our safety meeting. I was yeah. wondering because it's a bigger name in the scene. It's White Child. I've heard it all the time. This I will tell one. you, though, like, go online and look up reviews for this album. They're fucking great. Mm. your hardcore fans a lot of times unfortunately turn into your haters mm. it's but what they, happens isn't that metal but, fans uh, in general like to me i can see through it like i i feel like i can like i think there is a difference between bands that just completely like shift gears because they want to be bigger and make money mm -hmm. and because it's a creative decision or it's something that happens naturally like to me like this dude's trying to get a lot of shit off of his chest yeah. this and, is an emotionally heavy album if you really dig right. into the lyrics and him screaming and growling and making pig squeals and stuff's not necessarily going to be the most therapeutic way to get that out so i think it came out the way it came out yeah i think uh to a lot of people yes the valley is a big deal 
Yeah. To a lot of people, it's where the band jumped the shark. You know, it just depends yeah. on who you talk to. All right. So, Deathcore. Yeah. It's not my thing. Uh, oh, really? Uh, you don't say. And I reviewed these guys' newest album last year. And it was okay, I thought. But from what I've heard and what I looked into, this album is supposed to be the heaviest thing to happen in Deathcore. Hmm. So that's why I picked it. Let's see how it fucking performed. Who are we talking about, Bobby? 2007, Suicide Silence. Released The Cleansing. 13 songs just in the 44 minutes of Deathcore from California. This is their debut album. Lots of lineup changes for this band, but on this record, we got Mitch Lucker on the mic. Unfortunately. Mark Hellman on the lead guitar. Chris Garza on rhythm, the guy who doesn't practice as much. Mike Bodkins handling the bass, and Alex Lopez behind the drum kit. First track, Revelations, is a cool, eerie intro, fades into some guitar feedback with some horror movie-type screams in the back and stuff, which builds to the second track, Unanswered. Yeah, I like this shit. Sick death grinds. Vocals are fucking terrible. High yeah. screech with moronic, super-low gutturals, and at times it sounded like he was going to fucking throw up. Cool song otherwise. What do you guys think in the beginning of this suicide silence? Yeah, uh, here it is. This is what Deathcore started out as. All right. This is actually a true blend of death metal and hardcore. Mitch Lucker sounds absolutely visceral here. I, I know you guys are not a fan. I love the high screeching mm-hmm. juxtaposed against the low growling. Mm-hmm. And the breakdown in this song is not to be ignored like this is this is the birth of deathcore yeah this is the most popular track on the album and i absolutely hate the high-pitched shrieking vocal oh man i'm all about that fucking hate it hate it yeah next we got hands of a killer this one is also pretty fucking badass death groove with some killer technical grind super cool drumming again vocals still dumb sounds fucking brutal man those blast beats will send you mm. into a trance. Mm-hmm. And those alarm clock riffs at the end will definitely get your blood flowing. Mm. The band sounds good, blast beats and deaths, but again, Mitch comes out with that screechy shit and they lose me. If they do an instrumental album, I might like it. Oh, man. Right? That'd be nice, right? Next, we got The Price of Beauty. No, oh, man, it's expensive, I'll tell you. Hit song. <laughs> High energy fucking blast beats. Sick ripping. Guy. Some dirty bass. It's a fucking good one. Justin, what'd you think of that? That's a good pit song sh- for you? I'm to the point where I want to shut this shit off. I cannot stand Mitch's vocals. Oh, man. It's man. like nails on a chalkboard. Hey, the band's it's good. like deathcore but, vocals. But no, it's not. His vocal is fucking awful. And I know people look at him like he's a great vocalist and all that, but I just... Oh, man, over here just straight disrespecting the dead, you know? I... Like, it's because he's dead, but I mean, it doesn't suck. I agree. I liked his gutturals, his deep, deeper vocal, but that fucking high-pitched scream shit, I don't like it, man. But the song was a total pit fuck. You're right. You're right. You're not wrong there. The drumming in this song, though, right? Holy shit. Is drummy on this song? Uh, This one's definitely in all the hardcore vibes, and there's that little groovy riff that comes in for just a few seconds right before the two-minute mark. Dude, there's all these little things in this song that just get me pumped. It's a good one. It's Alex Lopez on the drums, and he's nonstop. Mm-hmm. Next, we got The Fallen. Fucking meat grinder of a song. 
some evil leads. Alex Lopez killing his drum. Like, mm-hmm. his drums are dead. He has to get a new. Blast you know, like some guitarists like have extra guitars. Like, Remy, this one's out of tune. He probably has, like, another drum kit there. Just, dr- just drop a new tom just down because he blew through it. Yeah, like yeah. an old fucking World War II fucking bomber coming in from the goddamn battle. Just riddled with <laughs> fucking holes in his shit. God damn, that dude's brutal as fuck, man. The Fallen. That's a good one. Yeah, and uh, at the three-minute mark, there's a nice nice riff. Uh, Mitch is mostly doing deep gutturals throughout this and the breakdown to close out the track. So I, I do like that part of the track. Keep that fucking high-pitched shit out, and this ain't a bad band. All right, next we got No Pity for a Coward. Another yeah, that's a good track. fucking title for a great song. Just straight for the fucking throat, brutal deaths, unrelenting juggernaut of a song, killer fucking riffs. Super heavy. Some nice arpeggios with a clean stop to fucking end it. The song is fucking unreal, dude. Some arpeggios. That's an arpeggio. Hey, this man with the technical terms. Seconds from the end. What's it gonna be? Pull the trigger, bitch. Pull the trigger, bitch. Yeah. That breakdown is iconic at this point. Like, uh, yeah. Even if you don't even like Suicide Silence, you know that shit. This this is the main track on the album that stands out for me. Alex Lopez is again killing it on the drums. The second half of the track with the breakdown that Jason just talked about into that little solo or the absolute standout part of the album. Pull the trigger, bitch. It's fucking good. When next we got the disease technical death groove. The drums are amazing once again. Get sludgy as fuck on the back end. I didn't know anybody in death was doing like this sludgy shit. So in this old, old school style deathcore, mm. when you're promised a breakdown, you get a fucking breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like this is a fucking breakdown. Mm. It's awesome. This... The world is dead. Let it die. So shut the fuck up and let the killing begin. It's another track that's absolutely brutal being ruined by some screeching shit. Bludgeon to death. Cool lyric though. Yeah. There's some riffing in here that sounds like acid bath, and that's fucking cool. Big chunky grooves, just right for a heavy-handed beat down. What do you think of this one, Jason? Oh, this is what you get. I made you smile, and doctors won't be able to recognize your fucking face. Yeah, dude, this song's badass, man. I mean, Mitch hits us with them super deep gutturals on this song. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you at least appreciated this one, Justin. Yeah, the first breakdown was pretty cool. Man, that's something to fucking kick the shit out of somebody, too, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, hold on, sir. Can I just <laughs> can I link up with the Bluetooth here so I can properly kick the, the fuck doctors out of won't be able to fucking recognize your face. God damn. Next, we got Girl of Glass. The breakdown on this one almost sounds like the Jaws theme song, which was fucking badass. More cool little leads and unbelievable drums. 
Girl in Glass was fucking cool. I like that one. Next, we got In a Photograph. Starts off terrible, like the band didn't know what to do with the blast beat they were given. And then it gets into some, like, new Sepultura stuff. Dude's guitar tone is super similar to Andreas's, plus the dirty distortion on the bass. That shit sounded fucking awesome. But they sounded very confused in the beginning. Like, the dude's just going off on the drums. They're like, I don't know what to fucking do with that. Honestly, a lot of these tracks at this point are just starting to blend together for me. That's yeah. exactly my notes for this track. Like, it, it wasn't bad at all, but this is where it started to run together a little yeah. bit. Mm -hmm. Next, we got Eyes Soon Shut. This song is an example of something I noticed. All of these songs aren't fully thought out. No. There's some great riffs and grooves and stuff mixed with some lazy-ass bullshit. Just filler riffs to get to the next part of the song. Uh, Give me to that breakdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this is their, their first album. You can't expect their you know, stellar song crafting from everybody right off the gate. You're not Van Halen. You know what I mean? So, uh, But that was something I noticed because the, the album before this was an older band, but a newer album, a little more refined, mature songwriting. And I'm, I'm listening to this and I see where it was the start of things, mm -hmm. but there's, there's shit that they fixed, obviously. Yep. And it's funny, you're saying everything's starting to blend together. Like, yeah, there's just, let's get, to, a, let's get to the cool fucking breakdown. Is what yeah. It That's like all they're building for you. But sewing the eyes shut of the man who saw God and ceasing the lies that spill from his jaw. There's some blasphemous for you. Mm. Oh, man. That's pretty good. I like yeah. that. Mitch, I know. I don't know where you're at, but you, you're burning somewhere. I mean, he might be. Rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> Next, we got Green Monster. Uh, I don't think it was about the Hulk at all. Uh, these guys must be, like, really fucking tired after they play, because it's just song after song of brutal shit pummeling you. Back into the record, and they're still fucking crushing it. This one had a cool dropout that fades into the closer destruction of a statue, which obviously comes at you immediately with one more sonic assault. Killer riffs, got some stunt grinds at the back, some metalcore kind of shit, dumb vocals. And it gets another super sludgy break. I like their breakdowns. They got the sludge for sure. Mm -hmm. And a nice clean stop to wrap it up. What do you guys think of the end of this fucking album? So like a green monster, I thought the faint screaming at the end to, mm -hmm. to like fade out the track was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And with mm -hmm. destruction of a statue, the middle of the song, there's a gallop. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fucking cool too. I'm sure I got the pit moving. But it's mixed in between all this unnecessary screeching from Mitch that I just can't stand. Final Breakdown was absolutely heavy, though. I did dig that. Yeah, Green Monster, actually one of my favorite tracks on the album, uh, because it slows down a little bit and it's got more groove to it, so that's kind of right there in my lane. Uh, destruction of a Statue. And, Bobby, I know you talked about this before. A lot of times these bands put the best shit on the back half yeah. of the album. The B-side. Mm -hmm. Destruction of a Statue is badass, man. Like, mm -hmm. this song goes hard as fuck. I wish they'd slow down a little bit more. Um, also, the corn influence is felt on mm -hmm. this song <laughs> in particular. Uh, if you don't believe me, go back and listen to the song Divine off of the self-titled Corn album. You'll hear literally a part of this song, like... On Divine? Right That's one of my favorite tracks off that yeah. album. <laughs> uh, there's a part of it here, definitely, that... uh they were heavily influenced, at least. And I know Chris Gars is a fan. Like, if you, you can find various pictures of him wearing corn t-shirts online, if you look. Overall, this is a classic album. Uh, it helped lay the groundwork for some of the most popular bands in the genre to date. It's not a perfect album because it is a debut album, like Bobby said. 
I think it's a bit too long. There's a few songs that I would have cut, but overall, I think it's a solid four out of six upside down pentagrams. Uh, this band, this is a band that always got a lot of hype, but I never really could get into them. Mitch always loses me when he strays away from his deeper gutturals and gets onto that screechy shit that I just, I can't tolerate it. The band behind him is doing a lot of technical stuff. They sound great for the most part. It's heavy ass pit music. I just can't get past that screeching. Now, former All Shell Parish frontman Eddie is the current vocalist, and I absolutely love that band. They were a far superior deathcore band on every level, just weren't as popular, and I always recommend them to everybody. But I still don't like this band to this day, even with Eddie fronting them. So this, this is very hit or miss, mainly due to the vocal. The album put me in actually a bad mood after a long week of listening to some good deathcore, but... I'm going to prong it. prong it. It's a three out of six, and that's just because I don't like Mitch's screaming. All right. Yeah. Uh, this album is technical death metal with unnecessary breakdowns, which is <laughs> what you would think deathcore would mean. I wish it did. Uh, seems other bands leaned hard on the breakdown parts. Uh, there were a couple of sub-hits on here. Other than that, no synthy bullshit. The vo- vocals are fucking atrocious, but I, I don't fucking like vocals anyways. But there's no cleans or sing-along ding-dong bullshit here. And that's always cool. Guitar and bass sound fucking killer. Not that usual clean sound you're getting from the genre. Drummer's amazing. There's some mediocre songs in here. You know, what are you going to do? Mostly suffering from the lazy songwriting. This is their debut album. You know, they fucking hopefully iron things out. But there's standouts nope. like No Pity for the Coward and Girl of Glass. Also, an extended version of this album features a bonus track of a pretty goddamn good cover of Engine Number no. 9. Do you hear that, Jason? I have That's heard That's fucking that. pretty badass. I thought that was impressive. I dig it. I think a show with these guys, Revocation and Orbit Culture, will be fucking super cool. In the rare event, I agree with the masses, this is the heaviest thing I've heard come out of the fucking genre of deathcore. If you took out most of the breakdowns and got a different singer, this would rank way fucking higher. Surprisingly cool tech deaths from Suicide Silence. The cleansing is a five upside down pentagrams. Well, Jesus Christ, they got a better singer, but I don't mm-hmm. know. So there's some of the veterans of Deathcore for you. I'm still not a fucking fan, but we did find something worth a listen. Maybe you will too. Next episode, we'll be focused on some of the new guys of the scene. So check that out. And until then, be cool, be metal. All right, everyone. That is our episode for this That's week. It. If you're still hanging in there with us at this point, we appreciate it. Why the fuck would they not be hanging in? Well, maybe they maybe they hated it like you did. Yeah, but they enjoy when I hate things. They so, do. I mean, if yeah. I got to listen to it, at least hang out and listen to me tell you and fucking mm-hmm. like it. God damn. If you bones. enjoyed this episode, we'll they be getting enjoyed. into part two next week. Mm-hmm. If you didn't enjoy this episode, you still need to listen to no part shit, two next right? week. Hey, part two, we're going to get into some newer deathcore bands. Yeah. You're already invested at this point, so listen to the shit, all right? Right. That's it for this week. That's it. Until next week. Until. Keep it metal. Keep it. And rage with respect. Rage with respect. Respectfully.